This is the Bob McCallum Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. It's McCallum along with uh, John Shannon, who is uh, taking a break from watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Ten overtime games already, Bob. I know. Well, I think the road road teams have won seven. So, I I I must tell you, people used to always say, and I, I think they still do, that the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is maybe the best. Mm-hmm. And I I never really understood why people said that. And I don't think it was, but I think it is this year. Oh, I, I don't know. I, maybe it really it's the is. goal scoring. Well, I, I, I mean, I think the speed of the game is just fantastic and it allows for mistakes. You're right. The goal scoring is certainly a factor. Goaltending in one way or the other, has not been elite every game. No, it hasn't. Um, and 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 it and it uh, it makes for great stories. It makes for great lead changes. Well, that's what we've seen. We've seen lead changes, and like we saw with Tampa Bay and Toronto in the third mm-hmm. period, a three-goal lead under normal circumstance, that's a given. That game is over. Period. End of story. And the Leafs come back and tie it, and then win in overtime. And that's not the kind of result that you would have anticipated in any way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly thought the game was over. I was reluctant to watch the third period at all. And then Matthew scored his goal, made it 4-2, to two, and I thought, oh, well, I'll stick around. And then the next thing you know, it's 4-4. Four, four, and we're going all, to overtime. All, all, all you had to do was remind Leaf fans of the two days before. Winnipeg on Saturday afternoon, down 4-1, came back to tie. Yep. Edmonton down 3-0, came back to tie and win to say, guys, don't give up the ship just yet. Nope, you're right. And uh, a lot of road wins, which we'll talk about. Pierre Maguire will join us, and we'll get to him right after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex. Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. McCown and Shannon back with you and uh, Pierre Maguire is uh, with us today. I gather you've kept an eye on the playoffs so far. Yeah, I've been watching Um, a few games, Bob, absolutely. A few games. I know you. You've watched every one, you bugger. I'm just like you, except I don't have two at a time on different networks. I'm not criticizing the people that are doing the games. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking, we were chatting just before we came on about officiating, and the officiating certainly has been an issue in these playoffs. But you know, it's an issue that that was the opposite 20 years ago. 
We used to yammer every year and during the, the playoffs about officials putting their whistles away and only calling things that were obvious and that they had to call. And that's not the case anymore. They're, they seem like they're calling the game tight and like, like they do in the regular season, Pierre. No, I would agree with that, Bob. I don't think the standards change very much. Here's the one thing that I find really interesting. Having started in the league as a coach in 1990, the thing that's really amazing to me is how many games are going to overtime and how many penalties are actually being called early in overtime. And, John, correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't see that very often back in those days. No, no, that was. You, you, never, got, you never got calls in overtime. That was when they put the whistles away more than anything else. But that's not what people want. People said you've got if you're going to have a standard, you maintain that standard in the third period, and you maintain that standard when it goes past sixty minutes, and that's exactly what's happened. I would agree with that. Yeah, but we used to say that back twenty years ago. You know, we used to say the same thing, and the NHL just were or well, they didn't. They were they wouldn't listen to you. They wouldn't. That's right. But 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 here here's what's happened too, Bob. And it's it's now, in my opinion, it's now been 17 years, and it's it's taken almost a a generation of officiating and a generation of these players uh, to say, you know what, we're going to live and die with the rule book, and 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 you are calling things in the third period that you we would never have seen called before, and you and that same thing is happening in the uh, in the overtimes because that's what the teams and that's what the players have wanted you know the managers are the the managers dictate a lot of this Ma- they do they dictate a lot of this in their regular meetings with with the league office and and they said no we want the standard to, to be maintained and that's exactly what's happened you know, that's they, a, have, go ahead bob sorry no i was just going to say have they gone over the line you know well, i don't um, think they've gone over the line but here's the interesting thing is Back in the day, if a team had a two or three goal lead going into the third period, chances are the opposition wasn't coming from behind. Now we're seeing it happen almost every single night in the playoffs. Right. And I think a part of that is going back to 2005 and taking the red line out. When you took the red line out, you allowed the stretch pass. And also when you change the rules to having zero tolerance and obstruction and hooking and holding without the red line, you created a speed dynamic that made it almost impossible for teams to defend against super elite or super skilled teams. And so that's why I think we're seeing such exciting hockey in the place. But I also think going back to our original premise, it's affecting the officiating. And sure. John, I think you would agree it, the game's too fast the way it's being officiated right now. The, 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 you know, the, the adjustment to the players to speed also uh, it pertains to the officiating. The referees at times are having a difficult time keeping up to the speed of the game. And, and, and you know, they're human. They're, they're human. I mean, look, look, at, what, look at what's happened uh, in these playoffs alone when there's a vicious body check. And now there are rules in place to allow a referee to say, I'm going to call it a major penalty, but then I can review it. And I can knock it down from a major penalty to a two-minute penalty to no penalty at all. We, we would have think that this, this is un, unconscionable 20 years ago that they would the human aspect of officiating is out the window, but they want to get it right. I mean, that's one of the things that now people are citing on the cautious side, saying, let's call it a major, let's use it as a safety net to then say, okay, let's take a look at it, we'll talk to Toronto about it, and then we'll decide whether it's an 
even if it's a penalty at all. Well, I guess so. Look at the other, another thing that's happened this year more than any other year that I can recall is away teams winning <laughs> at an extraordinary rate. They won 11 in a row until the Seattle game last night, Bob. Exactly. You know, I mean, what causes that? The rinks are all the same. The Boston Garden is gone. The Chicago Stadium's gone. The Autumn Buffalo is gone. The Coliseum Quebec is gone. The former Montreal is gone. Every single rink is 200 by 85. Players aren't intimidated by fan noise. The fans can't really affect the outcome of a game because these guys are truly professional. And if you really do the whole dig deep on it, most of these guys are playing World Junior when they're 17, 18, 19. So they're exposed to big moments in foreign environments. They're exposed to Olympics. They're exposed to World Championships. It's totally changed. But I think the biggest thing is home ice advantage has gone away because every rink is cookie cutter. They're 200 mm -hmm. by 85. And not, you're not wrong, except that we did not see that in the regular season. You know, the regular sure. season was nope. basically a normal regular sure. season where home teams won 54% of the games. Well, they're less than fifty percent now. Yeah. Well, well, I think I think it, I think the number's like eighteen and twelve, nineteen and twelve right now, where the uh, the, the the domination of the road team. Now, yeah. you, you you look at the last three nights you know, that could have got us to twelve consecutive without the Seattle victory. Those are higher seated teams going into the, going into those buildings and winning. But we've all talked all all playoff long about you know other than the Boston Bruins they're the anomaly. Um, is there really much difference between teams, you know, two to fourteen? And I don't think there really is. Well, well no, there isn't. We 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 talked about that at the beginning of the playoffs. That what we have this year is we have the Boston Bruins, and then we have a whole pack of teams that are basically equal. I think that's fair. Uh, Colorado, you know, you look at their team on paper, injury has played a role. Not having Gabriel Landeskog is pretty significant for that group, but I'm not going to just pick on them. Um, the injuries played a role with Tampa, but uh, you're right. The Bruins have been the best team in the league. There's no question about that. They deserve, That organization deserves a ton of credit. Look what they did at the trade deadline. You know, you go out and get Orloff, you go out and get Hathaway, you go out and get Bertuzzi. Uh, without ruining the fabric of your roster. It's just, it's an amazing job by Donnie Sweeney. I don't think enough people are talking about what he's done in Boston in terms of just at the trade deadline in particular. Well, you and, have a and they, even, ahead, and they've done that. With, they, they've even done that in the two games, at least the two games in in, um, in Florida without Bergeron and David Krejci. I mean, Krejci played in Boston, but and they've done this without Patrice Bergeron playing. So that that speaks to that depth you were talking about, Pierre, that they've been able to manage a roster not of 20 or 21, but a roster of 26 in order to be that effective. Well, how, how come Boston was able to make so many significant moves at the trade deadline? Because I think he understood the art of team building, and he also wanted to give his veteran guys, Krejci and Bergeron, Marshan, in particular, those players, another opportunity to win the Cup. I think they were devastated when they lost Game 7 to the St. Louis Blues in 2019. It's been an organizational mantra ever since. We're not going to let Patrice retire without another Cup. And I think they did everything. They went all in, and they identified their organizational weakness. They needed more grit and sandpaper. Uh, and they went out and did it. And and the Orloff acquisition in particular 
was so under the radar and it's been such a um an important thing for that group it really has been yeah well if you but you, you also bob you, you know we, we we talk so much about this being a cap league but you you look at what we're talking about with players david Krejci's play, making a million dollars this year he's come back win one more and, and give you a chance to win one more cup that gives them cap space to go and make trades Patrice yeah, Bergeron's so. at two and a half million dollars. I mean, so a lot of their, you know, cornerstone guys are on such hometown discounts. And it's amazing. In the history of the National Hockey League, all the way back to the days of Harry Sinden with, you know, two sets of contracts in the, in the drawer of the office, the Boston Bruins get hometown discounts on contracts more than any other team I've ever seen. Why Ray Bork? Ray Bork was underpaid. Ray Bork. Why? Was Why the Boston Bruins? Because I, because I think that they sell them on what a great place it is to play, what a great place it is to live, and you know what? If you win in Boston, you are set for life. Not just for the rest of your career, you are set for life. And I, it's it, it really is something, Pierre. You live in Boston. You can see it. You can feel it every day, can't you? You really can. It's it's larger than people believe. And even though the Red Sox are huge and the Patriots are gigantic and the Celtics are huge, being a Boston Bruin and being a winning Boston Bruin, there's something about that. This truly is a hockey city. As much as everybody says, oh, it's basketball, baseball, football. Hockey is a gigantic sport here. It really matters a lot in this society here in Boston. Let's talk about some of these series and, and how they're going. Yep. You know, w- w- people in Southern Ontario and the vast majority of our audience, I would think, has been focused on the Leafs in Tampa Bay. Um, well, let me say this. What have we, we had four games so far. Uh, yep, three wide Leafs. Yeah, I, I'd say Tampa Bay has outplayed the Leafs in three of the four games. They um, did, and I would agree with everything you're saying, except I think that Sheldon Keefe's not getting enough credit for some of the moves that he's made. And in particular, last night when they had a 4-1 lead, Tampa did, uh, and John Cooper got caught by Sheldon Keefe. Uh, Keefe was able to get Nylander, Matthews, and Marner on the ice against the fourth line in Tampa, Corey Perry and, and Pierre-Edward Belmar and Patrick Maroon. And that led to the 4-2 goal. If you look at Corey Perry losing his man, Austin Matthews, in the neutral zone. I'm shocked it wasn't brought up on television in the United States. That was, a very, that was the turning point of that game. That should have been a contained play. That Coaches usually don't get blamed a lot for those types of situations. Cooper made a fundamental mistake there, and Sheldon Keefe made a really smart play there. The other thing was that Maple Leafs scored two you know, big power play goals um, with, against the number two Tampa unit. It wasn't as if they were they were against the big guys. They were against the second unit. And if you can do that, and and there's been and and it speaks, I think, more so that, and it's not a it's not a criticism. It's a reality of the drop off of talent in the depth of Tampa. They don't have the depth that they had when they won the two Stanley Cups or even got to the Stanley Cup final last year. So they're they're a different team. And in many ways, uh, beyond their core and with a couple of injuries that you have to live with, they're just not as good. They aren't as good. And their goaltender has not been very good. He's been, uh, you touched on this yesterday, Bob. He has been, I mean, his. you look at his numbers. I think he's number 10 of 10 goalies in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. He's just not been very good. You know, Bob, we were talking about the cap before, but you look at Barkley Goudreau's in New York, 
you know, you look at all these different players and where they are. Ryan McDonough's in Nashville. Yanni Gord um, is it Blake, Blake Coleman in Seattle. Blake Coleman's in Calgary. You look at the players that are no longer part of Matthew Joseph is in, in Ottawa. You look at the players that are no longer in Tampa. It's pretty amazing to see that they're even at this point, really. I don't, I don't deny any of that, and I think we took a lot of that into consideration uh, going into this series. Nonetheless, the Leafs are up 3-1, and it probably should be the other way around. It probably should be Tampa 3-1 if you go by by just the play. At least that's my opinion, having watched these games. Well, we agree. I've watched all the same games you've watched. I, I know you guys are probably going to think this is funny, but I think one of the things that's happened in this series, when Austin Matthews and Steven Stamkos fought, I think that changed a lot of the perception of some of the players in Toronto for fans and for teammates. I think that that gave Austin Matthews a big, uh, big amount of street cred in terms of the dressing room and of what fans perceive him as being in the playoffs. Well, hard to imagine that in this day and age where fighting has disappeared really in the regular season, that we have seen, you know, turning points in a few games in this, in these playoffs, gone back to the old, you know, street hockey world and, you know, of, of, of pushing and shoving and after the whistles. It, 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 I thought we were, I thought we were beyond that, honestly. I'm not criticizing it. I'm saying I just thought we were beyond that here. Yeah, I don't think we are. I still think hockey is a game of intimidation. It's the only sport that doesn't have out of bounds. Uh, and if your guys are bigger than the other guys and they're meaner and tougher and more skilled, chances are you're going to win. Our teams, our teams playing a, a more physical style deliberately in the playoffs still? Well, I, I'll just go to the Islanders and Carolina. I think the Islanders, after every single whistle, have tried to goad Carolina into taking penalties. And when Carolina plays into that game, they have a problem. So I think the Islanders are using that as a weapon. I think the Dallas Stars and Minnesota Wild Series, I think that's become a weapon as well after the game, after the whistle skirmishes have become a problem too. So certain series, I think that has become an issue, absolutely. But the Carolina Islander one is, is, is fascinating because it's not as if Carolina is turning the other cheek. But, you know, Casey Sezikis, Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, you know, that great fourth line that we've talked about for one way or another off and on for a decade now in, in New York. Um, you know, they've been they've been a bit of a liability right now. They, they've, they've hurt the team as much as they've helped the team. And they're down three to one. So there is something to be said about, you know, if okay, we'll we'll take the punch and then we'll just beat you with our power play, which is what Carolina has done. Great Pierre. Yeah, absolutely. They have. Brent Burns, by the way, we talk about off-season acquisitions. The acquisition by Carolina to get Brent Burns from San Jose has made a massive difference for their group, especially on the power play. And that's interesting because there were a lot of people who thought Carolina should have done more at the trade deadline. Well, I was one of them. Yeah. I, I wondered where their goal scoring was going to come from. Pacioretty was supposed to do that. He had, you know, he's got the Achilles he's issue again. Svechnikov hurt. They lose Teravina now. Yeah. Yeah. But but they didn't have they didn't have that one guy that said, okay, jump on my back and 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 uh and and you know, I'll I'll carry you through this. Burns may have beaten Burns may be that guy in Carolina to this issue. I, I got a great story for you. Somebody, somebody inside the organization told me this. So they lose in game three in, uh, in, in Belmont. And uh, so they go back for the team meal. 
and everybody's down, you know, they, they're, they're, they're down, down a game. They lose that game. So they're only up by two to one and, you know, they don't want to let the Islanders back in and Burns takes over the team meal Bur- and Burns takes over the team meal by demanding more ice cream. <laughs> and by the end, by the end of the team meal, everybody's laughing. By the end of the team meal, everybody's forgotten the game and they're just pointing and laughing at big Brett Burns with his gap tooth grin saying, we need more ice cream in this room. And it, it really did change the demeanor of the team. They went out the next night and, and dominated. And, and people said, you know what? Burns is a leader. Burns can do this. Burns knows when to turn it on and off and do such a great job. And that, to me, those are the, those are the stories of what the playoffs are all about when you get a team that is trying to create an identity. Because I'm, I'm not sure what the identity of the Hurricanes are other than Rod Brindamore. What would, you, what would you say, Pierre? I would say that Rod Brindamore is the identity of the Carolina Hurricanes, but that story about Brent Burns, that's one of the ways you win. A veteran guy comes over, he stabilizes a room, he says, this is no big deal, I've been here before, I've walked the walk, let's get this done. I want more ice cream. All that being said, yeah. though, John, I got to tell you, and Bob, I think we're at the point now where you can honestly say in this league, there's one player in Carolina that has gotten nowhere near the credit he should have, and that's Sebastian Ajo. This guy's a spectacular player. He's a spectacular player. Yeah. You know, the other thing that occurs to me is that, you know, we always look at the playoffs as the, the, the real issue in, in determining whether you win or you lose is usually goaltending. You all, your goaltender has to be good and, and usually great in order for you to win. Well, we've seen a lot of goals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is there a goaltender out there that's been great? Like really great that stood on his head. Well, the two the kid in New Jersey, Schmidt. The, the kid in New Jersey, the last two games at the Garden, Schmidt has been really good. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, and and in the end, and in the end, if if the Devils win this series, will be a story. But it's it's only two games, uh, and and the the Rangers have played better in Newark than they have at the Garden. So we'll have to wait and see. You, you know who's played well is Antti Ranta. A lot of people didn't even think he'd be the starting goaltender for Carolina. Antioch has been pretty good. Well, that's a team that has to have great goaltending in order to win because the consensus has always been they can't score enough. Right. But we've seen we've seen quite a bit of scoring in these playoffs. The you know, I think it's I think it's been spectacular. Yeah, it's I been mean, spectacular. I, but the skill level in the league's never been higher. John, no, I get you. Forever, it's unbelievable. But you, you've, we've had a bunch of five-four games. You know, if you go back historically, five four is like is a gigantic number. Nine goals in a game, a gigantic number for the playoffs. Yeah. You know, we're used to one nothing, two one, three two games. Three two is high scoring. Has been high scoring in the playoffs. Well, not anymore. Now, now it, they're scoring it, goals like crazy. But but it, and and we touched on it right off the top. I mean, lead changes. Lead changes to me are. I mean, I, I just don't know. I just don't understand how it occurs. You look at, we've had three games in the last three days where a team was down either 3 nothing or 4-1. Once in Winnipeg, once in Los Angeles, and then in Tampa. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 you say, how, how, I mean, how, how can that happen? How can the momentum swings be so great? Any thoughts, Pierre? 
Well, I think, again, the red line is out. So the stretch game is very much alive. Zero tolerance and obstruction, hooking and holding. I think that's a big part of it. And I just think the skill level in the league's never been better. I really but, can't believe but if I've dominated, if I've dominated the game with my team at 3 nothing or 4-1, can't I stop that? I, so you have to do what New Jersey's been doing. So New Jersey's gone from being an aggressive 2-1-2-4 checking team to a passive 1-2-2-4 checking team. And so the Rangers haven't adapted yet. Now, I, I would think before they play game five in New Jersey that they will have made some adjustments. But through the two games in New York, they haven't adjusted at all. So that's what you, if you really want to slow the game down, that's how you kind of have to play it. And if you don't, you're going to have a problem. What did Tampa do in the third period, especially the second half they, of the third period? They sat back, but they weren't playing a one-two-two. They were just sitting back as a group and yeah. letting trauma keep coming at them and coming at them. I, if I would have been Tampa, I would have attacked them all night long because that was playing to your strengths. That's their game. They're fast. They're skillful. They're, they're a smart team. But they're also a little reckless. I think even their coaches said over the course of this year, sometimes we're a little bit reckless, and I thought they were a little reckless last night. You but know, the, ebb, the ebbs and flows great. of that game – I mean, the worst player on the ice in the first period was William Nylander. I mean, he was horrendous. Stupid penalties, well, you know, not doing what he's supposed to do. And then third period, two, two big assists on the, and then an assist on the overtime winner. I mean, it, it, when you look at the games within the game about how a guy can get back on track and, and, and change the, the – the course of a game just like that, that to me is the amazing part. The Leafs had, Bob, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the Leafs had no, had no right winning that game. None. No right winning that game. And, and, and yet, you know, the, the, their skill in the end worked out. Their power play did their job. And Tampa got let down by the big cat. Well, once again, you also had you had a goal, you had a goal, at least one goal uh, from the blue line, just a wrist shot, like nothing that would should give you any trouble whatsoever, and it goes in the net. Yeah, and yeah. that's the kind of thing that does happen to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, I mean, Pierre, they, you're a you, you're a you're a, a, a development guy. You like watching young guys. Are you surprised how quickly Matt Nice has been made part of this offense? No, I've been watching Matthew Nice for the last four years pretty religiously, and I was shocked by some of the pundits saying that Matthew Nice would not have an impact in the playoffs. I mean, I, I was at Minnesota a lot last year. The the year before that, I watched him a lot with the development program. Um, Matthew Nice is big. Matthew Nice is fast. Matthew Nice is skilled, and Matthew Nice is coachable. I, I thought he would have an impact, and I again, I watched a ton of him over the last three years. It's unbelievable how much but the, he's improved. But this this speaks to I was talk, actually I was talking to my neighbor about it last night, and then he said, "Well, you know this rookie," and I said, "Well, hold on now. It's, that's not really fair because Matthew Nice is twenty one years old. Yeah, he's not eighteen. And the development of a hockey player between 18 and 21, when you, particularly when you're playing high-end college hockey, um, or even if you were playing high-end junior hockey and you were allowed to develop for three years, there's a huge difference between 18 and 21, isn't there? There's a huge difference. So here's the one thing I've been saying for a long time. People forget this. Guy Lafleur wasn't drafted when he was 18. Guy Lafleur was drafted when he was 20. There used to be a 20-year-old draft in the NHL. Men, because right. of basketball and Spencer Hayward and all that, everything went back to the 18-year-old draft. This league would be unbelievable, and fewer careers would be ruined if we had a 20-year-old draft rather than an 18-year-old draft. But that's never going to happen. 
But I would tell you, the players that stay longer, Kenny Holland had the best line I ever heard. I'd rather have a player that was overripe than underdeveloped. And he was spot on with that. That's why Detroit had so much success for so long. They used to put all those kids down in the American Hockey League and cultivate them. And uh, the same thing now. I look at Matthew Nyes and the way he's played. I'm not surprised that he's doing this well. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I, I gather you start him in the in the next game in Toronto, because when he remember when he went into the lineup, there was a real question as to how long he's going to stay. Yeah. Well, well the thing was I, he, I he, he replaces. He, he, you know, it, when when Michael Bunting gets off of his suspension, what's the question? You want Michael Bunting or you want Matt Nice? Well, right now, I think I think everybody would say Nice, wouldn't you? I would say yes, but here's the one player that I think could be the odd man out, and that could be Zach Aston Reese. If if Bunting comes back and Nye, they want to keep Nice playing, yeah, maybe Zach Aston Reese. Yeah, because yeah, he's but, he, you know, respectfully, he's just a guy. He's not, he's not really an impact player. Nope. So that could be the person that comes out of the lineup. Maybe. You, you, I, you... So, so as a coach, you would put Bunting back in? I wouldn't even have him. I would so just... I, I have to, you'd have to be around that room all the time to know that. I'm not around that room, so I couldn't yeah. say that. I wouldn't even try to touch that question. <laughs> when have you become a diplomat? What is that? No, because when you coach, you see how much players affect the other players. Some, if you're not there, you don't know. He right. could be an impact player on the ice and be a negative drain around the team. You don't know. Some of the guys may love him. Some of the guys may not like him. You don't know that unless you're there all of that. Well, you don't think Bunting is going to elbow the, the the first guy he sees if he if he gets back on the ice, do you? I no, but I, you always but you always worry about you worry you about always, you do. We'll have that concern. Will he go? I mean, we want, we want, you know, if you're, if you're Sheldon and Kyle, you want Bunting to play to the line because he's really good when he plays to the line and he's that art of intimidation, right, Pierre? Yes. But, so here, here's but, the one player. If, if I were, if I were the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, one, and you don't want to do this in the playoffs, but it's something to think about. Show some of the things that Brad Marchand did earlier in his career that got him into trouble. And then show some of the things he's done this year with Krejci and Berger out of the lineup and say, if you can be like Kim, behave yourself and play to the edge, you can play for us. But if you can't, then you're not going to be useful to us and we're not going to put you in. Yeah. Of course, the player is uh, under those circumstances. The player is going to say, oh, yeah, I can be that guy. And then he goes out on the ice and who the hell knows what you get, right? <laughs> you don't. Right. You don't have any idea. Uh, we got to take a break. Uh, Pierre McGuire is uh, with us. We'll uh, come back in a moment. Stick around. Spring is here, and so are the long days, warm weather, and yard work. If you're anything like me, then you know how easy it is to get behind on your spring to-do list. But Factor is here to help. The number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your door, saving you time to get the things you need to do done. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. We offer delicious, flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles like keto to calorie-smart, vegan, or veggie. With over 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. Head to factormeals.com slash bobcast50 and use code bobcast50 to get 50% off of your first box. 
That's code BOBCAST50 at factormeals.com slash BOBCAST50 to get 50% off of your first box. McCown and Shannon with you. Uh, Pierre McGuire is with us as we take a look at the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, is there a team that has impressed you surprisingly more than any other? You know, the first round of the NHL playoffs is always like this. You're always looking for that team that comes out of nowhere and 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 plays extraordinarily well. Is there a team this year for you, Pierre? Seattle. I think yeah. Seattle deserves a huge amount of credit, the way they've hung into that series. What they did in game four, they basically dominated Colorado. I know they lose Jared McCann to the huge hit by McCarr, uh, but if you look at the way they played, they played smart, they played fast, they played to their identity. They're getting some good goaltending from Grubar, which a lot of people didn't think they would get. Their defense is held up against a really fast, speedy Colorado team. I think a lot of people thought it'd be a five-game series. It's going to be at least six and probably seven. Yeah, they're there, but they are. They don't have a. They're like a little bit like Carolina. They don't have a superstar, but they are so. They are so deep, aren't they? I mean, deep and fast, and they're balanced and they're very. That's the new National Hockey League, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So McCann is their only forty goal scorer, and he's not playing Game Five. So we'll see how that goes in Colorado. And what the league does with with uh, Makar, I, I have no idea what they're going to do on that. Well, as of our taping, we know he's having a hearing. Uh, the announcement will probably occur about the same time this show uh, drops. I suspect it'll be two games at least. I really do. Yeah, no, well, it, it wasn't appropriate. And I was really surprised by it. I have to tell you, Bob and John, knowing Kale Makar, uh, going back to when he played in the Alberta Junior League before he went to University of Massachusetts, there, that's never ever been part of his repertoire. Not even close. It's it was very strange to see him last night do that. Do you think? Uh, but do you, I don't. I don't think it was. I think. I think the the worst part of the hit was, you know, when people had never talk about this enough. The worst part of the hit was when McCann's head hit the ice. Well, there's no question. But why was McCarr even engaging in a hitting situation at that point? I heard what he said. He said he lost the puck. He didn't know where the puck. He said it was going to drop at McCann. He thought it was going to drop at McCann's feet. Yeah, I know. Well, it wasn't even close. That's <laughs> it, was out, it was in the fourth row. Yeah, so me, it wasn't even close. I, I, I don't know, but anyways. But this is a player who does not have a reputation of being this Zero. kind of player at all. Zero reputation. And this you guy, have to. He could win the Lady Bing as a defenseman. I'm not kidding. Zero. Right. Yes. So, uh, you know, my guess is that they will go light if there's a suspension at all. It'll probably be just one game, do you think? I don't know. I, I defer to John on that, Bob. I really would. i tell you what. Um, I, I, you know, and I know Michael Bunting's got a reputation, but Michael Bunting got three games. No, that's right. And 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 so, <laughs> and Eric Chernak has not played since. Now, I, I you know, you can't. You can't regulate that based on on what happens to the injury to the other guy. But um, I, I just think that I, th- I think player safety is trying to set a standard, and they're trying to hits to the head and and, and damaging uh, concussion issues are becoming a problem. And I I just think that they're going to hammer they're going to hammer these guys with these these interference and boarding plays away from the puck. And because well, that's the key s- thing. Yeah. Away from the puck. Yeah. So far I understand. away from the puck. Didn't we used to think that um, a one game suspension during the playoffs was like a five game suspension during the regular season? Yeah. 
was it no, not it was deflation? one for two. One, one for two. One for, one for two? One for two. Boy, I think it was higher than that. In any event, um, I thought three games for Bunting was was really high. Even though I know he's he's a player of that that has a reputation of being, you know, a little bit dirty. That he'll take a shot at you. Um our three games I think is a lot during the playoffs. Nonetheless, but by the way, no bunting in the lineup. The Leafs have won all three, so have won all three games. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, and what no the hell do I know? The lineup for Tampa that's played a huge well, series. Too. Well, and, I mean, and I mean, as we say this, just people in Winnipeg are chiming. Hey, look what happened! They, Ryan Hartman hit Nick Ehlers, you know, in Game eighty-one of the regular season. Yeah. Hartman got a one-game suspension in the regular season, and Nick Ehlers has yet to show his face in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's all, there's going to always be these discrepancies and these problems with everyone. That's why I, 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 that's why I truly think the league and player safety are trying to say, okay, we understand this injury is important. And I, so I, I, again, I, I could be way off in left field, but I think two games is probably going to be the number. Really from a car, right? Yeah. For, for Kale McCarr. And, and, you know, then you, then you put in perspective with the lack of, you know, they don't have a second center in Colorado. Seattle is playing well, yes, without McCann. Is this series going to turn? Could this? Could Seattle go home up three games to two? I mean, what do you think about it? It is, it is quite something. It's quite a story. That's yeah. what I mean, they've been the biggest surprise. I truly believe that uh, of the entire playoffs so far. Just how composed they've been, Bob, especially in Colorado in game one. They were phenomenally composed. They really were. No, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Although I must say, I think Colorado has been overrated by hockey people all year long. Because all I heard was Colorado is good. Colorado will be there when, when, things, ha- when things matter. And I didn't see that, to be honest with you. Not yet. Well, and, and and yet and yet, you know, they, everybody said, well, you know what? They're not very. They've got injuries, this and that. Landis Kalog, blah blah blah. Makar was out for a while too during the season. Their goaltending was iffy until Christmas, and Yurgev did a good job. But and they won. And then in the end, everybody said, don't worry, they'll win the Central Division, and they did. You know, so it, it's the end game. That's the one thing with the Avalanche. They 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 know enough, and they 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 have veteran leadership. They have solid coaching. And it's the end game. It's it's not game five. It's the the end of the series. And that, that I get it. Until they lose, until they lose a series, then you know that's then then Bob. Then you can be right. But I. But, you can hey, never but they are they guys. are in against an opponent that they that honestly they should beat. I mean, this is a second year team with with no star yeah. players who had a yeah. good year. I grant you that. But a surprisingly good year, a very surprisingly one of those, good year. What one of those hundred point teams you talked about, Bob? Yeah, I know that. I understand, but I think most people would say if if you took a look at those hundred point teams and said, "Okay, who's the weakest of the bunch of them?" Seattle would be at the top of just about everybody's list. Yeah, you're probably right. You, no. you're, you're you're probably right about that. And but boy, oh boy, oh boy, uh, you know. Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, Jamie Alexiak. I never thought Jamie Alexiak was going to be this type of player up here. Did you? The best thing that ever happened to him was the bubble uh, when Dallas went to the Stanley Cup final in Edmonton and eventually lost to Tampa. I was there. I did every single game in the bubble. 
Alexiak took off from that point, John. He was he was really phenomenal after that. You could just see the confidence playing with Klingberg, playing with Haskinen, playing with Essel Lindell. Like he learned a lot from those guys. He got better in Dallas, and that made a big difference for him. So what happens from here on in? Um, do, do you see anybody coming from behind? Do you think somebody that's down a game or down two games still is the better team? I mean, well, let me, let me, let me ask you this, Bob. Yeah. Can you, I mean, you've already said it. You think Tampa should be up three one. Yeah. Don't you? Uh, I think it should be at least two, two. Yeah. Well, uh, but, but here's the thing. Based okay. on play and, alone. You know, yeah. things happen during a hockey game so you can't predict. But based on so play you, alone and who the better team looks like, I think Tampa's been better in three of the four games. The only game so that they weren't so, as good as the Leafs was game two, where so they were can you horrible. See, can you see the Lightning coming into Toronto and winning? Yes. So all I'm of not, I won't, I'm not going to predict it. But no, I know. I, you can see it. I can see it. Yeah. So all of a sudden, back to Tampa for game six – Leafs up three to two. Deja vu. Sure. You can't tell me the pressure on the Toronto Maple Leafs at that point. Well, I'd, if the I was one the Leafs, that's I'd rather the, be to up me, that's one, the one series. But you're right. But that's this is the one series. This and this is like Colorado. I mean, until and until the Maple Leafs have four victories, they will have demons. There will be demons. And I, you know, I, do I think the Leafs are going to win? Yeah, I do. But you know, the guys on the other side are pretty damn good, aren't they, Pierre? They are. They're really good. Just getting down to Bob's question, John. I think the Edmonton Oilers, if they lose tonight in Edmonton, they could be in big trouble. They could be in big Not trouble. They should, they, have lost their in last, they should have lost Game Four, John, and yep. they didn't. Yeah. And if they go home and they can't get it sorted out in goal and they go back to L.A. down a game, that series could be over in six. Oh, okay, so again, we're, we're taping this on Tuesday morning and, and then it's a, a 9.30 Eastern time start in Edmonton. Who's your goalie when they skate out for the start of the game? Here? I would use Jack Campbell. I went to the Scotty Bowman School of uh, – education and hockey and you go with the guy that won for you and jack campbell won that game the turning point of that game game four when la was up uh four three they had a chance to make a five three on an arvidson breakaway and jack campbell shut the door and that's when edmonton started to take off i would go with jack campbell What would yeah, you the fact, do? <laughs> yeah, the fact that, that this is a, a controversy, uh, a question mark at this point, tells you a lot about the Edmonton Oilers. And, well, they're they, certainly their they, goaltending. Yeah. They, exactly. They did yeah. not know who their first goaltender was. Well, I, I, I would say, um, and I'm not a, I, I, I've mm-hmm. never been behind a bench. I've never been in a dressing room. I've never, I would say Stuart Skinner should start. Yeah, a lot of people. Stuart Skinner has Stuart Skinner has been a better goalie all season long. Stuart Skinner has been a better goalie at home. Fair Jack, point. the Jack Campbell story, twenty-seven saves in Game Four, is remarkable. It's fantastic. But Stuart Skinner is a steadier goalie today, in my opinion. Yep, and I would rather go with Stuart so- Skinner. So if he doesn't do it tonight, 
You're you better be right. That's all I'm saying. Well, but but listen, that's you I mean there's a if they play Jack Campbell, and you don't think they will. You know, I, I honestly, Bob, I don't know. I don't know. I know that they're having debates about it, but it, I do not know who they're going to play. And uh, but the moment the game ended, the first thing that occurred to me was I'm going back with Stuart Skinner. That was the first thing for me. See, I was on the other side. I said, I'm going to play Jack Campbell. <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, somebody told me yesterday, Jack Campbell's a ball hockey goalie these days. He's just doing anything to do to stop the puck. And that's the science of goaltending is beyond that now. I just, I just think that Skinner will give them a better chance to win the game and keep them in a game early if the Kings blitz them. Yeah. But the Oilers went out and got Campbell to be their number one goaltender and he hasn't been that all year no, long. that's right that's right and and they were never afraid to play the other guy you know even though jack campbell you're right he's got the commitment for five years you know they said no Stuart skinner's better Stuart skinner had a better streak you know down the down the line at the end of the regular season when they went on that nine game winning streak most of it was Stuart skinner you know, Stuart they're, look, Skinner they're was, down in the, they're down in the playoffs they're losing in the playoffs and who did they put in goal in the last game well, no, they but they Skinner started and they pulled Campbell and Campbell did a, or pulled Skinner and Campbell did an amazing job. But was that is that the new Jack I don't Campbell? Know about amazing job. Oh, still. twenty. He was pretty damn good. His the, the save I mean, on Arvidsson turned the whole. Well, yeah, a couple of Arvids, Arvidsson saves early on too, but yeah. hardly, hardly you know any goalie coach up in the press box would be looking and saying, "Well, I, we didn't teach that. We didn't teach him that technique." So in practice. Based on what you just said, I want to give you a quick story from when New Jersey played L.A. in the Stanley Cup final. And uh, I was interviewing uh, Jonathan Quick. And I said, you know, in Quebec, they had Patrick Waugh, they had Marty Brodeur, all the kids copied their styles. I said, what would you say to somebody that wants to copy your style? He said, your parents better have a good insurance policy because you're going to be in the infer- in- emergency room a lot because you're going to be injured because I'm so unorthodox. I can't right. teach my style. So everybody's wow. style is different, but you're right. It's not typical what we see from Jack Campbell compared to most goalies. No. Well, what was what, what, one of Jonathan Quick's many nicknames? Gumby, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's been so, hurt a lot, by the way. Jonathan Quick sure. hurt a ton. Yeah. I just, I just, it, it's a fascinating question. And I mean, if it's Jack Campbell, it's Jack Campbell. But my gut says, you know what? At home, bigger goalie, you know, give him, he, they gave him a chance of two periods to watch and react to what things were going on. I just, I just think Stuart Skinner is probably going to give you a better chance to win game five. Well, one thing we can say for sure, I mean, this has been, I, I think this has been a most interesting first round. I think people overrate the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs every year. But I think this year it's uh, it's pretty legitimate. And it's because we've seen so many comebacks. We've seen a fair amount of scoring. You got to watch that. You got to watch it. You got to watch every second because something is happening all the time. Hey, Pierre, before we let you go, we'd be remiss in not asking you what you think is going to happen in Pittsburgh. You know they, um, they've had a changing of the guard. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know you you worked there. 
Uh, you have some good friends there. What what do you think is going to happen with the Penguins? I wish I could tell you. Most of the decision making is actually coming out of Boston from the Fenway Sports Group, John. So I don't really right. know. Um, I do know this. I was there uh, as one of the coaches for Mario Lemieux's fantasy camp. So about a month ago, I was there. And um, there was a lot of talk then even that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke were going to be part of it long term. And that held true. Um, so there's a lot of talk that whomever they hire as a general manager will have to have a pretty significant analytic background because that's how they run their baseball program. That's the only thing I've heard that's probably earth shattering. I haven't heard any names at all. Do you think the decision to get rid of those guys was the right one then? Or were you uh, surprised at it? I was surprised only because they were looking at one trade in particular, the Grandland trade, to basically hang that on that management group. Lots of managers make bad decisions. Their drafting has not been good as a group, to be totally blunt. They don't have a lot of prospects. And the, the order from upper management always was we got to win the cup when we have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Well, I would say that that's probably not going to happen. I think that window's probably closed for whomever's going to be the next manager. I do too. I tend to agree with you. I, I think it was a I think it was a wrong decision. We'll find out. Yeah. See who, who moves in there and what, what they are able to do with this organization. Because if you're not going to move any of the, the big guys move them. They just signed them. I know. They've they've already made that decision, yeah. And I'm sure that ownership was consulted on that decision. Mm-hmm. They had you know, a you lot of money, those kind of checks without management or agreement or ownerships. Right, exactly. Anyway, yeah. we'll see. Uh, Pierre, enjoy the rest of it. We'll uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again before this thing is done. Thanks, pal. Thanks a lot, Bob. Thanks a lot, John. Really enjoyed it. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye bye. That's Pierre Maguire. We'll come back in a moment. When was the last time everyone agreed on what's for dinner? You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and someone is always craving Froyo. Well, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with our default contactless delivery setting. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BOBCAST23. That's 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BOBCAST23. Don't forget, that's code BOBCAST23 for 25% off of your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. So we haven't done any predictions. Our thanks to Pierre Maguire for joining us. But uh, mm-hmm. do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs will win this thing? The series? Yeah, yeah. I do. I, yeah. I do, yeah. I, 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 you know, what we've seen is better play out of Morgan Riley, uh, Ryan O'Reilly. You know, Ilya Samsonov has actually outplayed Andre Vasilevsky. Um, you know, I, I think that I think the Maple Leafs. You know, there's a bit of a break here now until Thursday, but I do think that uh, I do think that the Maple Leafs will clo- close it out. And, it's shocking to, to, to me the, how... to the relief to the relief of you know the hockey of the center uh, the center of the hockey universe. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, Vasilevsky will start 
for Tampa in, in the next game, game five, I guess it is. Yes. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But he's been horrible, to tell you the truth. I think if it was any other goaltender with any other history, you'd be looking at somebody else being the starting goaltender in game five, don't you? Well, you look at how they've constructed the team, though. Um, you know, and Brian Elliott is the backup goaltender. Um, okay. And Brian Elliott's a really good guy. <laughs> Brian, but Brian Elliott's a placeholder. Uh, he's he's you know this well, this, we know this, this, we this know team the... this team was designed and built to have one guy play every playoff game right exactly no matter and what he will. and and he will so that's that's not an issue the other, the one thing that that um, that Pierre was talking about with uh, all the rule changes and 18 years ago um, we just want to remind people that before all the rule changes the Stanley Cup final was Calgary Tampa seven game series. It was the most boring seven-game series in the history of the Stanley Cup because there was not, in seven games, there was not one lead change. Yeah. You scored the first goal of the game, you win the game. But that's, that was, that's and, different and, now. But, but, and the, but the league addressed it. The league went and said, and they, we had, we had the, the, the lockout, or if you were at the league, it was called a work stoppage. You, you had the lockout. Um, to change the rules. And those guys changed the rules to to allow for this. And it's just taken a long time for it to get into place. It's taken two generations of players. we've seen more of it in these players. playoffs than we saw during the regular season, John. Uh, there, there was a lot in the regular season, Bob. But this, but, but th- th- it, that's why you say when you do – when my point is when you do rule changes, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes, it takes so Maybe. much time and so many levels of players and coaches to understand – how to work with it and make it work. And right now, and as Pierre said, I think the game is on the ice has never been in better shape. I think it's more entertaining now than it has been. I don't disagree uh, with it, you. It, it, since, uh, since I think the Gretzky days in Edmonton. Well, that's, that's how good that's, that's goal scoring. That's, that's the issue. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And, and the, the, the other issue as we talked about is, is the fact that teams are scoring goals in the third period and coming from behind. Yeah, which is something that know. never happened in the playoffs before, ever. No. And and when you compare it to the other sport that hockey always gets compared to, that was always the greatest thing about the NBA. No lead was ever safe in the NBA, and exactly. that's what made the drama of the last two minutes of regulation in the NBA so exciting. And really, well, in many ways, the NHL has has find out, found a way to not necessarily mirror that, but captivate it somehow, so that lead changes aren't safe. Hard to disagree with you. And we'll see what happens from here on in round number one. We'll uh, we'll get out of here, and we'll be back again tomorrow. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan, goodbye, everybody. 